0: If you'd like to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 to 9, I just want to, I'm not going to speak for very long because I want to also give Mike some chance just to um, do some prophetic ministry amongst us and see what the Lord does. Um, it's really just kind of two words, two points I want to make from today, but let's just read these verses and um, then i will I'll, I'll kind of explain what I mean. In 1 Samuel chapter 8. Verse 1, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, uh, behold, you are old. That's not really nice, is it? Behold, you are old. so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Father, I pray that you'd help us this afternoon to really learn from this so that we don't make the same mistakes. We don't want to be people who, um, for the sake of human security, make choices that don't facilitate us following you the way you want us to. I pray you'd help me just to unpack the principles in this, Lord, so that we can see what it means to be a people who have the Lord as king over them. That's really what we want. That's what we've been singing about, and we need your help. So I pray, Holy Spirit, I can only say words. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to touch hearts. That's what you do. I can't do that. I pray that you will, and there'll be fruit that will last from our time in the Word, Today we submit to the authority of Scripture, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, just to do what you would like to do among us, in Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen. Amen. So just kind of two words that keep ringing out of this um, passage. One is the word control, and the other is the word trust. Control, trust. Trust. And in God's kingdom, those two words are, I think, the two things that as God's people we will forever be struggling with as to who, which one of those words um, we place ourselves under the lordship of and all that goes with it. You see, it wasn't so much that choosing a king was wrong. Because later on, David became king. And from David, later on, Christ, for human ancestry. So it wasn't so much that having a king was the wrong thing. It's who they chose and why they chose him and when they chose him. There was a preemptiveness about it, doing it when they felt. There was a kind of a, a, a choosing who they felt would give them what they wanted. There was it was It was the way and who and all that kind of stuff that was wrong rather than the act itself and even when you find David became king later on, um, he had all sorts of problems with Saul kind of trying to you know there was this great big battle and delay and all sorts of problems why because god 's choice and the people 's choice just didn't it just doesn 't work and folks, if we live under uh, taking control instead of under trusting the Lord, there's always going to be this battle going on, and we see it in in Saul and David. It's that's kind of what we see. They chose Saul, as we know in the story. They later they chose Saul, but actually later on, it was God's purpose for David, a man after his own heart, as God describes David, who God really wanted to be king at his time now you might think to yourself well what's all that got to do with uh apostolic mission or taking the nations or planting more churches in london or planting more gospel communities or what's that got to do with mission what's that got to do with advance what's that got to do with us as a church isn't that a pastoral word are you are you giving us a pastoral word this afternoon i would have to say well partly yes i suppose But I would have to say that as I've observed and participated in the Christian life for many years, before most of you existed, um, my observation would be it is simple things like this that make or break our fruitfulness. They're actually very simple things, but if we don't choose the right one, we end up with something governing us that doesn't produce fruit in the end. It just produces frustration and difficulties. So if we want to plant churches into Europe, if we want to plant churches into this area of London, all these things that require massive uh, moves of God to help us do them, my my kind of contention right at the beginning, I'm going to try and then unpack it a little bit, uh, for us, to help us, is this. My contention is this. Winning these fundamental battles of the heart of surrendering control to the Lord and embracing trust in the Lord are absolutely pivotal to whether we succeed or not. Totally pivotal. It's not about can we raise the money for a full-time worker. It's about can you raise your hands in trust instead of clinging on to what you know to make you feel secure. It's often those things. It's often those things. It's the, it's the n- nuts and bolts of life. And these, so let's just have a look at this issue of control. What, what, what do I mean by control? Well, I mean this. We all like to be secure in life. We, that's why we lock our houses. You've all got locks on your door, and if you're thinking to yourself, did I lock the house now when I came out? You did, it's all right, no problem. We all, that's why we have locks on our houses. We want to be in control of the security of our house. Um, we have burglar alarms, double bolts. We have you know, all sorts of things designed to keep control over something that could be vulnerable. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's, it's coming out of a, pl- a desire to be in control of something that someone else might do something to. If we're in our job, we think, is my job safe? Am I going to be made redundant? I'm doing, am I doing a good enough job? Am I going to be promoted? Am I going to get a wage rise? There's something within us that wants to answer the questions that gives us control over the unknown. Is that true? Fair? Hello? Yes? You'd agree with that. There's, there's nothing, again, completely wrong about that. It's a natural thing. If you've got bills to pay, you want to know, will I have a job to pay them? If you get on a plane, you want to know, who's flying this thing? <laughs> Do they know what they're doing? Are they fully qualified? You want to know things. It's like, um, I remember once I've had some interesting plane journeys in my life, and one of the, the worst I ever had was in southeast Ukraine. To give you some idea of what I ventured into, the plane had curtains at the windows, and wallpaper on the walls, and none of the seats matched. They were all taken out of other planes, which I assume... Had either crashed or were no longer flying. (laughs) And they were all bolted in. And when we landed, all of the seats went (laughs) all forward. The stewardess spoke through a handheld microphone with a handheld PA that kept feeding back all the time. And we took off at night in February at minus 40 on hard-packed ice in freezing fog with a twin-prop plane with no automatic pilot. At that moment, you want to be in control. Believe me. But at that moment, I was anything but in control. And I can remember thinking, Lord, seriously, I thought, Lord, I know there are unfulfilled prophecies over my life. So that's my only hope of landing safely because there's still some things I haven't done yet. I mean, I wanted to be in control, but I wasn't in control. I was complete, there was nothing I could do in that situation. And I didn't relax the whole flight. I think I prayed in tongues the entire flight. Why? Because something within me could not cope humanly with being that much out of control. I just wanted to hear a British Airways pilot say, welcome on board this flight. I wanted to hear someone who said, I've got full automatic pilot and myself and the uh, co-pilot will be joining you for drinks later because the plane's flying itself and we're perfectly safe. I wanted that sort of thing. Not all feedback on the... I didn't want that. I wanted to know it was okay. Now, most of... Now, does that make me wrong? No, it's something natural within me to want to make sure that I can control what makes me feel vulnerable. If we're going on a journey, and you're driving, you think, is the car okay? Is it going to be okay? Am I going to run out of petrol? Is it going to break down? That's why we have breakdown recovery insurance. Because we want to make sure... Every angle is covered. If I'm ill, will I get better? There's natural questions. If something's broken, can I fix it? That's what men are particularly good at thinking. If something's broken, is it can I fix this? Is that right? Men you want to fix something that's broken. There's something within us to say, what's the problem I can fix it? Is a natural kind of thing within us. Now, what that says if it gets to a to a wrong, distorted thing is this. What that says is this. I want to rely on me, not on God. Now, actually, that's how the whole fall happened in the Garden of Eden. God had given Adam and Eve complete freedom with one exception. He said, don't don't touch that fruit because you'll gain something you shouldn't have, knowledge of good and evil. You don't touch that. If you do that, you're you're actually going to have something you're not supposed to have. I want you to live dependently on me, and to live dependently on me, don't eat that. The very thing that Satan tempted them to do was to say, well, firstly, did God say what he said in the first place? And then, you won't really die, you will be like God. In other words, you will gain control, you will gain autonomy, you will gain the ability to be totally self-governing and self-determining, and you will have power and freedom. Now, God had given them freedom to take control of things, but it was, it was limited uh, and accountable. It's when we go beyond what God has said and we say, I, I cannot trust you for this, I won't trust you for this, I'm going to have to be in control. It's the same issue that's plagued mankind right from the Garden of Eden that was the cause of the first sin. It's the same th- issue that you and I have to wrestle with all through our Christian lives. Who is in charge here? Who is in control here? Who is calling the shots here? Is it going to be safe? Is it going to be okay? Control issues. You see, becoming a Christian is not just about adding Jesus into your life, so you think, right, I've got a good job, I've got a nice family, I've got a good car, I've, everything's fine, oh, and I've got Jesus now, so angle is taken care of. have even got eternal security now as well as all these other things. That's not what becoming a Christian is. Becoming a Christian is giving everything including all that you are to another person for them to do with exactly as they choose without any consultation with you. I mean that's not popular. <laughs> it's not good PR. It's and we don't like that. Jesus is Lord. Either he is or I am. There is no room for both. There's no room for, it's not a, it's not a, um, a democracy where we have a vote each. <laughs> it really isn't. And becoming a Christian, this surrendering, the Bible says, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. I don't even belong to myself anymore. I haven't, I've got no rights. I don't have any rights when I become a Christian. I give, I surrender what rights I thought I did have, which I didn't have anyway, but I felt as if I did. I surrendered them to Jesus. He becomes completely the one in control. I have to surrender control. He's my master, he's my Lord, he controls my destiny. And actually, he modeled that himself, where he said, as a man, I only do what I see the Father doing. So he's not asking me to do something he didn't do himself. And he did it perfectly with perfect obedience. So for me, control, wrestling with issues of control, been a, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. And what I've found in life is there's been many times in my life when I've, uh, I'm very fortunate to live right near the sea where, where I live, and I, I sometimes I walk along the beach, and I'll, I'll pick up a, a big stone, Right? And it's perhaps to do with something where I'm really wrestling with God and thinking I don't, I don't know, I don't know about this, whatever issue it might be. And there's been many times where um, I've, I've got hold of this big stone and I've said, Lord, I just want to say to you now, I surrender control to you, and I've thrown it into the sea. I just let go. I've said, I give control to you. There's not going to be any coastal erosion near where I live. All right because I just keep throwing rocks in all the time. I mean, I have to deal with things like that. I have to be ruthless with control issues. I cannot afford to take control. I cannot afford to do what they did back then and appoint a Saul king over my life. I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to do that. Because if I do that, I'm actually asking for something other than Jesus to be my king. That's, That's a wrestling thing. That's a wrestling thing. Now, for many of, you, many of us here, I guarantee the moment I say the word control, there will be issues that pop up in your heart and you think, oh, yeah, all right, I, I agree with you, but not about that issue. I, I can't let go of that. You don't know what you're talking about when it comes to that. I really need to keep the finger on that one because that's really, ne- you know, I can't afford to let go on that. If I let go on that, who knows what might happen. That's the point. That is the point. It's letting go of the very things that we think we need to keep hold of in order for life to work. That's what they did. They said, appoint us a king. Appoint us a king. So let's look at this other thing of trust then. What's the counterbalance to control? What does trust look like? Well, God wants his people to trust him. That's what he's looking for. You could call it faith, call it trust, obedience you can call it whatever you like and we can see that when he brought them out of egypt he led them by his presence this this pillar of cloud by day and pillar of cloud pillar of fire by night he led them by his presence he wanted them to to constantly keep their eyes on where his presence was going and then follow obediently to it they didn't have a map they didn't know where the journey was going to end they didn't know whether the the pillar would the pillar of cloud would stay still for a few days and then move on, they had no idea. They he wanted complete trusting obedience, and surrendering of control, so that they followed his presence, and had all the needs they needed in their life met in that way. God's presence himself was the thing he wanted them to to trust. He wanted to lead them through the desert into all that was. Now, the issue was this: they felt vulnerable with that style of leadership. I mean, I can understand it to be honest i feel I would feel a lot more secure if I've got a king I can look at and I go in, I think, well, who's in charge here? He is tell me what to do. That's much clearer. If you've just got a cloud, you say, who is in charge here well well he he is what do you mean he it's a cloud well, yeah but god 's presence if you can't touch it it's just it's a cloud. What are you talking about? Yeah, but who's really in charge now? Who do I see now with this issue? It's like when you go into a shop and you want to take something back. Where's the manager? Well, we kind of have a, uh, there's a the manager's everywhere. <laughs> well, no, no I, I want the manager now to talk to about this issue. You, it just doesn't compute, does it it? So the, the people, that God's asking them to trust his unseen presence in a very seen issue. It just it does, doesn't work as a human being unless we actually get it and say, ah, right, okay. I know this doesn't feel right, but it is right to be led by his spirit, to be entrusting ourselves to the unseen God. That That's the kind of thing. They just couldn't see it. They just couldn't get it. They wanted the security of a man with a hat or a man with a rod or a man with a whatever regal thing. He he wanted to look at something and say, I can see that that makes me feel secure. The Christian life will never give you that. (laughs) Never. You think, well, if I can just get round this corner, over that hill, through this difficulty, then all of my life will pan out before me and I'll be able to see the beginning from the end and everything will make sense in your dreams. What you will find is when you go round one corner of mystery, a whole new vista of mysteries will unfold (laughs) before you, even more complicated than the one you've just come through. Why? Because God is treating you as sons and daughters whom he wants to mature into his likeness to be more like Jesus who lived like that all of his life. Jesus never took personal control of his own life or destiny. Never. Not once. If you just think that through, that's actually the key issue that meant he never sinned. He never made a personal choice separate from trusting his father. I only do what I see the father doing. That's massive. What a massive challenge. God's presence needs to become enough security and certainty for us in a very insecure and uncertain world. It needs to become enough for us. And that takes time. It takes training. It takes... It takes a soft heart. Have you got a soft heart? God can do anything with a soft heart. Because all he does is he just takes you and he just shapes you. I've got issues of control. Well, we all have. Join the club. Get the back of the queue. Just let God get your heart. Just gently shape it so that you become more and more a trusting person and a control freak. You can't be both and be effective. Just can't. That doesn't mean, when I say control, it doesn't mean abdicating responsibility. So if someone says, well, what are you going to do about this situation? I'm just trusting God. Now that can be a, I'm not saying we back off taking responsibility. But I am saying our default needs to always be, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do here? Rather than I need to be in charge. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. It's really, I mean, that's so, I know it's simple. But that can shape a destiny. You notice Abraham just had a promise. Just had a promise. That was enough for him. It says Abraham set out not knowing where he was going. That doesn't sound like much of a control freak there, does it? He just didn't even know where he was going, but he just set out with a promise. And Abraham is actually the one person whom we should be able to look at and say, we're all like Abraham. We're children of Abraham. That means not just, you know, not descended humanly, but there's something of Abraham's faith that's mirrored in us. He was a man who just had a promise and started out. We're just people with a promise. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's a promise. That's all you start with. That's where you start. Just walk like Abraham with a promise. Let go of control and trust it. You, know, you Christianity in itself, being a Christian, ultimately, you're expressing the two greatest, you're expressing trust in the two most important things in your life. Number one, you're trusting God that your sins are actually forgiven. Right? how do you know your sins are forgiven do you feel it well on a good day perhaps but not on a day when you've sinned a lot you say, well, how do i know ultimately you only know your sins are forgiven because you trust what jesus said in the bible you trust you trust if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness you can't know your sins are forgiven unless you trust how do you know, sorry to talk about death, but it is something that is coming to all of us. How do you know when you die that your last breath here will be followed by your first breath in heaven and a well done from Jesus? Do you feel that's the case? Well, I hope not, because otherwise you're on something. Right? The only way you know that is the case is because you're trusting it so, because Jesus said it was so. So trust runs right through everything. It is to be You're trusting the word of another person. So if we trust him for the big things, that we've forgiven our sins and we're never going to die, I, I'm not looking forward to the process of dying. I mean, it's okay to be a little nervous about that. All right? That's not natural to die. I'm not looking forward to that. But Christians should die well. What does dying well mean? Well, I'll let you know. But I think what it means... I think what it means is this, that even though perhaps it might be painful, difficult, distressing the humanity, creaks and groans, and there's all sort, there might be difficulty and sort of uh, problems f- going through it, deep down, inwardly, the Christian should be soaring on wings like eagles, saying, whatever difficulty this is, as I face these final moments, I know that the moment I am through this, I have heaven before me. Now that that that's what dying well looks like. You can't die well without trust. You can't live well without knowing your sins are forgiven through trust. So you can see, you know, trust is just you can't evade it. And think, well, yeah, okay, that's a good word for those in the church with control issues. No, we've all got control issues. We all have. You can't cast it out. It's inbuilt. Uh, There can be strongholds that need to be broken where it's exacerbated, but you and I will always wrestle with issues of control. Those of you who've got children, you will know what this is like. He's trying to put cotton wool around them. Don't go here, don't go there, don't do this, do do this, or be careful when he said that. Where did he learn that word? You're not going to be... (laughs) There's issues of control and trust on every level that's even more magnified when you become a parent. So the best thing is this. You have to learn the lessons early when you're a Christian so that you can go further and fuller and be more fruitful for the Lord. It's a simple thing. There's an old hymn that says, Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I wish it were more complicated because I'd look much cleverer. (laughs) But the issue is it isn't. It is just... It's so simple that the poorest person or the greatest PhD, can marvel at the same truth and still have to submit to it. It's profound. Trust, obey. And what these, what God's people had done wrong was they give us a king, we want control. We want to know what's going on. Whereas God was longing for them to just keep trusting his presence. Now what about you? This is as I wrap this up. What about you? If I was to say to you, what's the one thing in life that you wrestle with the most in terms of control or trust? And i ask you this question. It's coming to your mind right now. Let me ask you this. Are you willing this afternoon just to say, as we break bread perhaps, to say to the Lord, Lord, very simply, I don't know all the answers to it, but I simply want to tell you again, Lord, or perhaps for the first time in a new way, I give you this issue. I give you this issue. I trust you with this issue. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know all the answers. I'm a bit scared. It's a bit counterintuitive. But Jesus, just as I'm trusting you that I'm forgiven and I have eternal life, I'm trusting you for this issue in my life right now. Right now. Maybe one of my children. Maybe my job. Maybe my marriage, maybe my finances, maybe my health, maybe my relationship skills, maybe my uh, fear of things, maybe, who knows? There's there's as many issues here as there are people. Plus, I've got more than most of you. So there's there's stuff, isn't there? We're all, hands up if you've got stuff. And if you've not got your hand up, you've got more stuff than everybody else. Because you're in denial. That's even worse. It's even harder to deal with. So I'd like us just to stand together. I'm going to, I think, I'd like us just to break bread, however, but don't, let's, as we break bread, not only thank Jesus for for his sacrifice, but use it as a moment of consecration. Just use it as a moment. And I I honestly believe the Holy Spirit's going to do some things just in the simple act of breaking bread and drinking wine.